Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, what's up, Anchor Knights? So uh, I don't know how I feel about Jake, about you getting them to boo before I came up here. I feel like that's just setting a bad tone uh, for me to work through. Hey, so, uh, so hey, if Jake, as Jake said before, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Keith. I'm the equipping pastor here at Cross City. And I know that seems weird, right? You hear like, hey, what is an equipping pastor? Sometimes I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but this phrase comes from actually the book of Ephesians chapter four. And it talks about the purpose of pastors. And it says the purpose of pastors is to equip the saints, which is you guys, for the work of ministry. So my job around here is like, God has a purpose. God has a calling for every one of you here. And my job is to help you have the tools and the things that you need in order to achieve that. And uh, that's why I'm pretty excited about this series, right? Because we're talking about this Battle Plan Revisited series. And, uh, and I'm glad that Jake invited me over here because I think this is like equipping just right, right in my wheelhouse here. Uh, before I get started, and I wanna let you know there's a tradition. <clears throat> And that tradition is when another pastor lets you use their stage, you get up first and you kiss their butt for a minute. And, uh, and so I'm going to do that for a minute, but I'm, I'm doing this from my heart. I want you to hear this. Uh, so this is something that you may not know about Pastor Jake, and I know he's getting nervous right now when I start talking about this, uh, but don't worry, it's not that crazy. So Pastor Jake and I actually used to work together. We both got hired here at the church at about the same time. Um, we worked in different departments. At the time, I was doing lights and sound um, for the weekend services. I mean, not like you guys had here. Because if we did that over there, like the old people would be like up in arms, there'd be seizures in the aisle, it'd be crazy. Um, but yeah, so we did stuff like that over there. And Jake was originally hired to lead worship for the, for the high school group and also part-time to do some of the tech stuff over there. Uh, so we both got to work together. The crazy thing about that is like, if I'm being real, they didn't hire either one of us to be a pastor. And I don't think either one of us thought that's where that was going to end up, but we did. And, uh, and so it's just been cool for me to be able to see that growth in Jake, to see the growth in this group. Because, man, I just think he's killing it over here. And uh, I hope you guys understand that. I hope you can see that in the leadership group that you have here and in the pastor, that you guys are just blessed that you have some great leaders over here. And uh, so that's the end of the butt-kissing segment, but I want you to know that it was, it was genuine when it came there. I love you, Jake. All right, so, uh, so this series... Battlefield Revisited. So some of you, did any of you listen to this last year or watch it when, they, when we did it on the Facebook, or no, Instagram, right? IGTV? Great, nobody watched it. I could just do the same one I did last time, then it'll be fine, Jake. See? No, so I had the privilege of, of doing this last time, and, uh, and I love coming to hang out with you guys here in Anchor. It was pretty cool that Jake invited me to do that last year. I was bummed that I had to do it in front of a camera because, like, you guys can feel the energy in here, right? Especially like during the worship and stuff. And it, it's just not the same in front of a camera. And I'm sure it's not the same for you guys sitting in front of a screen. And uh, so I love it when I get to come over here and hang out with you guys and, and experience that worship. And, uh, and I'm, I made a mistake when I was getting ready for this. And, uh, and that mistake was, I'm going to let you guys in a little bit behind the curtains on like how some pastors get ready for stuff. So if I'm coming into the series, right, I feel like I have to listen to that whole series because I don't want you guys to get like, you know, recycled things. I don't want you to hear the same thing you heard two weeks ago or three weeks ago because that can get boring. And uh, so I went back and I listened to this series and I'm gonna let you know that I regretted that. I regretted listening it because um, 
Man, these last like three messages, they have been fire. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's been weird stuff, right? There was a whole tangent that Jake went off on firefighters and Speedos. I don't know if you remember that. And then Zach was talking about his sweaty feet and that was pretty weird, right? But honestly, like there was such good stuff in there that when I was getting ready to come over and talk to you guys and I was trying to figure out what to say, I was getting kind of nervous. Like how do you, you know, those were some big shoes uh, to live up to, especially, you know, with the last talk there. But so I wanna let you know, if you missed one of those messages, I really wanna encourage you on the QR code that you saw at the beginning when you came in here, you can like, follow AnchorCast from there. Uh, there's sure give you the information to get there and listen to those messages because if you missed them, I'm serious, they were like really good messages. So I want to just kind of ground us and go to what we're talking about here, right? So in this Battlefield Revisited, we're looking through Ephesians 6 and uh, there's a passage in there that talks about spiritual armor. And we're going to read a little bit of, of, of this today as we work through there. So, and I know you've heard this every week, so I'm going to go a little bit quickly through it here. So this passage says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may come to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. If you remember, Jake talked about that three weeks ago, said don't don't get caught with your pants down, right? And then there was the breastplate of righteousness in place. Jake talked about that two weeks ago, guarding your heart. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And sweaty foot Zach talked about that last week, right? So in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. All right, so today what we're going to talk about, we'll just kind of skip through the the rest of that here. Uh, So today what we're going to talk about is that shield of faith, and I think this is such a huge and important part of our spiritual armor. Uh, I want to highlight, I want to reinforce something that I think every pastor that's come up here has talked about, and that's to just remind you that like all of these pieces of armor are important that they all build on one another. It's not like you just have one, right? And I think the reason that Paul used the example of a centurion of of armor is because like if you were going out on the battlefield, you would have to have all of that armor on, right? I I just can't see in my head, I can't see an effective warrior being out there without all their equipment. It's not like some guys like running like Donald Duck style with just a breastplate on out in the end of the war, right? It's like the rest of their gear needs to be on. And I think that we need to do the same thing, that we need to make sure that gear is there because these pieces of spiritual armor, they just build on one another. And the reason I'm excited today to talk to you guys about the shield is, uh, is because the shield was like the most distinguishing part of a Roman soldier. I mean, for me, when I think about a Roman soldier, I think of that big shield. I mean, it looks like a door, right? It looks like dudes hauling around a door with them. And uh, it's a front line of defense for centurions and legionnaires. And it's super important, right? Because if you are using a shield right, if you're using a shield right, you're deflecting whatever's coming at you before it even gets to your armor, before it gets to the vulnerable parts of your body. And so I think Paul, as, uh, as Jake was talking about, when he was sitting in a prison cell or maybe chained to this guy, and he was looking at everything that guy was wearing, I think that Paul uh, specifically chose faith to represent that shield. That he said, I think this ties together because just like that shield is the primary distinguishing characteristic of a centurion, our faith should be the distinguishing characteristic of us as Christians, right? It it should be like our primary mechanism of defense. And and I think before we can talk about faith, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Because when we say the word faith, it can mean a lot of different things, right? Sometimes uh, people refer to their religion or their belief system as their faith. They'll say, hey, I'm a member of the Christian faith. Or, Or we tell each other things like have faith. I think all of us would say that we want to be known as a faithful disciple of Jesus. But I think that I just want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing when we talk about faith. 
And I want to clarify, see, when Paul writes about faith, he's using a biblical definition, and it's talked about in the book of Hebrews, and it's verse, or chapter 11, verse 1, is defined this way, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And I know that sounds kind of poetic and cool when you read that, um, but I'm kind of a simple guy, so I want to break it down and just make it even more simple so we can kind of tackle this a little bit better, that I think that faith is just belief in action, right? It's when we take our beliefs and when we apply them. And so when I look around this room, I know a lot of you are in a different place in your walks with Christ. Some of you are going to feel like you have a ton of faith. Some of you might feel like you, you barely have any faith. Uh, but I think that if we really look closely at our lives, like if we take a minute and we just look at it, that we can see that each and every one of us in this room, we have a tremendous amount of faith. It just might not be the faith that Paul is talking about in this passage. I'll give you a few examples, right? So I'm assuming most of you, it's college age group, so most of you in here driving, right? So if you've ever driven on the freeway at 75 miles an hour and passed somebody, you've had faith that that person was gonna stay in their lane, right? You may not have had a lot of faith based on what was happening before that, right? If they were a little swervy or you see the, the cell phone up there, but think about that, right? You're driving 75 miles an hour in a, in a metal death machine, trusting that other person to make the right decision. That's a decent amount of faith. When you came in here today, there were all these chairs laid out there and you went and you sat down in a chair. You had faith that that chair was gonna support you. That's not the case if you go to the other building and they put out those little white chairs. Just be careful about those uh, because they may not actually do it. And uh, this one might be a little gross, but the, the last time you had lunch at Chipotle, you had faith that the dude that was cooking your food in the back where you couldn't see him, you had faith that that dude had washed his hands after he used the restroom so that you didn't get sick, right? So what I'm saying is I think there's so many things every day where we're stepping out in faith and we're trusting people, we're trusting things. But see, the faith that we want to talk about, the faith that's going to protect us in our spiritual walk and the, the, it's the faith that we have in God and in the promises that he makes to us. And, and I think that when we talk about that as it relates to God, that faith is really the third step in the process. We don't just like jump right to faith. There's some things that have to happen before we get there. And this is why earlier I said, you know, those other parts of the armor are so important. The first piece of the armor that we talked about, the first piece of the armor in the passage was the belt of truth. See, I think this is where truth comes in, that the, the basis of our spiritual faith is a knowledge of the truth, right? We have to have a familiarity with God. We have to, in order for us to have faith, we have to know what we have faith in, right? And the great news is that if you're in the pattern of doing something like reading the Bible every day, uh, you're getting a daily dose of truth. If you're coming here on uh, Tuesday nights, you're coming here on the weekends, you're getting kind of this like booster shot of truth throughout the week. And there's another one too, like when you're in a community, you got people around you that are gonna be constantly giving you the truth, right? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, right? Sometimes you're just down and your friends have to like pick you up and go, hey man, it's not that bad. And sometimes if you've got really good friends, they're gonna look at you and they're gonna go, hey man, you're slipping up. Hey man, you need to change what you're doing here because you're, you're on a bad path. See, they can give us truth through accountability and encouragement. But we can't just hear the truth and jump right to faith, right? There are, there are so many people out there who've heard the truth They've, they've been exposed to the gospel and yet they, they can't have faith because they've missed this critical middle step. And this critical middle step is that you gotta make a choice to believe once you hear that truth. See, know, knowing the truth alone, it doesn't help you. It's, we actually have to decide to believe in the truth in order for it to change us. And one of the crazy things about truth, and you guys probably know this already, like 
truth isn't changed by whether or not you believe it, right? So like gravity is a, is a truth. Look, goes up, must come down. So if I were to just like stand on the front of the stage and say like, you know what? I just don't believe in gravity. And I were just to lean straight forward, right? I wouldn't float there. I would like face plant right into the front row and I'd probably be pretty jacked up, right? See that the truth, it's not, it's unfazed by whether we believe in it or whether we don't. And I'll, I'll give you an example of, of a truth and, and where truth and belief come in. I'm, I just want to share with you here in a moment of vulnerability. I believe in something pretty ridiculous. I do. Like at face value, one of the things I believe in is super ridiculous. I believe that 2,000 years ago, there was a dude that was crucified, that died, and that came back to life, right? And let's be real, that's ridiculous, right? That's happened, like as far as we can tell, that's happened one time in history that something this miraculous has happened. And if I'm being real with you, I didn't always believe in this. Like when I was your age, when I was a young adult, I was a pretty devout atheist. I like to say I was an evangelical atheist because I used to go around convincing people why being a Christian was stupid. So yeah, I got some stuff to atone for there. Uh, but, but eventually I, I was reading a book and somebody told me, you got to read this book. And I was like, this is going to be stupid. I'll read your dumb Christian book. And I started asking these questions. And the question that stuck with me when I was reading through this whole thing that caused me to, to get to a point of belief in that truth was it was a question that I think is, is one of the most profound questions that convinces me that the story of Jesus is real. And that question is, what did the apostles have to gain by lying about it? Right, it certainly wasn't power. If you look at the history of the world, you look at where the early church was, where the apostles came right after Jesus died, they're out running around and, and they're sandwiched in between the Roman empire that's trying to crush them and the Jewish temple that's trying to crush them, right? So it wasn't power they were looking for. They just like squeaked by that, that, that persecution. And it wasn't money, right? If you read about most of the apostles, they were broke. They had to go around literally going to the churches that they found and asking them, hey, do you have some money so that we can continue to do this? And it wasn't praise, it wasn't an easy life, right? Because if you read the ending of most of the apostles' lives, all of them except the one were ultimately tortured, some of them multiple times, and executed for their beliefs. And here's the thing, even at that last minute, even at that last minute when they're being tortured, they didn't go like, hey man, we made this whole thing up. Their stories never changed. And I gotta be honest, I could talk about this all night, and if you have questions about this, I would love to talk to you about it afterwards. But basically, in going through all this stuff, it left me with just one conclusion that I could make from all of this, and that was that the guys who wrote this stuff in the Bible, they, they must have believed it, right? The guys who said, this is what I saw, that, that they must have believed that Jesus came back. And what's funny is when we read the Bible, we find out some of them didn't even believe it at first, right? We read the story of Thomas, who's like, hey, before I can believe it's really you, Jesus, I need to stick my fingers in those wounds, which first of all, that's gross, right? Like straight up, I think everybody at the table was like, dude, Thomas, right? When that happened there. So we got this, right? We've got this first step, which is we have to hear the truth. And the second step is believing in that truth. And only then can we start to exercise our faith. And I know that some of you here might be thinking, well, aren't belief and faith the same thing? And I'm going to tell you, no, no, they're not. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you an, an example here. So I want to ask a question here. This is going to get interactive. How many people in this room have ever gone skydiving? Okay, so we've got maybe one or two, one or two, three crazy people here, right? Okay, I will never go skydiving. You will never find me, like, if, if I am falling out of a plane with, like, a sheet on my back, that plane is gonna be on fire crashing behind me, just so you know, like I'm not willingly jump out of here. You wanna know why I would never jump out of a plane? 
because I don't have faith in parachutes. Like, I believe in parachutes, right? Parachutes are real. It's not like I'm just saying they're not there and, and I can, you know, explain how they work and everything else. But the difference between belief and faith is the difference between going, I know parachutes work and going, I'm gonna put one on my back and jump out of a perfectly good plane, right? And so while I have belief in parachutes, I certainly don't have faith in them. And, uh, and I'll give you a more biblical example that might resonate with you a little bit more. And, uh, and I'm sorry if this one stings a little bit, right? You may have heard the word, heard the truth of James 5.16, right? James 5.16 tells us, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You might've heard that truth and you might believe it. But the question is, have you taken that step of faith to actually do it? Like, have you gotten in your small group or maybe with trusted friends or mentors and, and maybe it's something like saying, hey, you know what, guys, I just need to share. I'm struggling with pornography right now. I think that I might have a problem with alcohol, that I'm turning to it when I have stress. I'm turning to it instead of going to God. Or, or maybe to go into your groups and say, you know what, I'm so afraid of being alone that I just bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship and I never really feel loved. And I want you to know that's a step of faith. That's the difference between believing in this verse and actually living out that faith. And, and I just want to be clear that that disconnect between belief and faith that it can leave us in a place where we feel like the faith that we need is not necessarily the same as the faith that we have. And, uh, and I think this happens for a couple of reasons, right? I think that it's either a truth problem or it's a belief problem. I'll give you an example of the truth problem, right? Maybe you're somebody like me. My story is I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know all the Bible stuff. My family didn't sit around reading the Bible. I didn't know any of these stories. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I had some distorted understandings of God's truth. Uh, maybe people told you things like God helps those who help themselves, right? Maybe somebody's told you that before. Maybe, maybe somebody told you the Lord will never give you more than you can bear. Or maybe someone even said, hey, you know what? Life is just a lot easier after you start following Christ. And uh, I just want to let you know right, in, right away, none of those are, are truths. In fact, uh, the Bible says the opposite of just about every one of those, right? See, the truth is that if we could help ourselves, we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't have a purpose for him. And the whole story of the Bible is that there's this problem that we can't handle, and that problem is called sin. And it's so bad that God had to send his son down to handle it for us. So we can't handle everything God's going to give us. And as we learned last week at church, if you caught Pastor Brent's message, Jesus told, told us that following him wasn't like a stroll through the prairie, that following him was carrying a cross, and so what happens then, that the danger when we don't know the truth, the danger when we, we don't know what God says is that we get frustrated because we start to think that God let us down, right? Maybe some things, and I'm just gonna throw some stuff out here. I don't know any of your stories, but maybe we're bitter and we're untrusting because there was somebody in our life that God took away from us, somebody that died, and we felt like that just shouldn't have happened that way. Maybe our faith is getting rocked because there's something that we keep praying for God. God, help me with this. God, help me for this. God, help me with this. And it seems like he never takes it away from us. But here's the thing. I want you to listen closely here. When we don't know what God's truth is, we hold him accountable for breaking promises that he never made to us right? You understand that, right? If we don't know the truth, what happens is we're creating promises and we're expecting God to honor them, but he never made that promise to you and he never made that promise to me. And that's why reading your Bible is so important. 
Because that book is full of so many promises that God did make to you and God did make to me. And we need to know the difference between, hey, here's a true promise that God said, and, and here's a false promise that the world has just kind of put upon him. So sometimes we can see that with our faith problem, it's a truth problem, but sometimes it can be a, a belief problem. And I think the belief problem happens, see, sometimes when we're reading God's truth, we're, we're confronted with things that sound weird, right? Or I'm going to be honest, sometimes we just read stuff and we're like, I don't like that, right? How many of you have ever read something Jesus said and said, I don't like that, right? Yeah, like most of the stuff. You look at those red letters and he's like, you want to be like me? Yeah, go ahead and pick up that cross, right? And I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be cool stuff, right? And like Jesus tells us stuff that's so contrary to what the rest of the world tells us, right? Jesus says, if you want to have your life, give it away, right? You're like, what does that even mean? That doesn't make sense. Jesus says things like, store up your treasures up in heaven, and don't worry about your treasures here on earth, but like, I like my iPad, my iPod Pros, like AirPod Pros. They're, they're nice, right? I want to store up that treasure here, right? And, and, and sometimes he says stuff that we just don't like, right? I'll give you an example of something that I didn't like. Like God says sex is supposed to happen in the context of marriage, right? So, so we can hear that truth and we can hear these truths that conflict with what the world says, right? Because if you look at most of the things Jesus told us, the world tells us an opposite message. And we can either choose to believe it or we could choose not to. And this is going to determine whether we're responding from a position of faith or a position of doubt. See, if we hear this truth and we believe what God is saying, then we're able to act in faith and we're able to avoid things like pornography. We're able to avoid things like premarital sex or or our lack of belief can lead to us just straying off that path. But see, the, the good news is I'm not just here to hammer you about what this faith looks like. There's some great ways that we can actually strengthen our faith. And, uh, and the two big ways I could think of to do it are we can do it by either changing how we think or changing what we do. And, uh, and I'm, this first one of changing how we think was a huge one for me. Uh, I was, when I was very young, I was raised in a somewhat strict um, religion. And, uh, and for a long time, I ended up with this like really warped version of, of what God was in my head, right? Like I thought that God was trying to like keep me away from all the good stuff. I thought that like, hey, there's all this cool stuff out here because like, let's be real. If we're just being honest, getting down to brass tacks, sin is fun at least for a little bit, right? That's why we do it. If it wasn't, we wouldn't do it. So let's just be real about that. Um, and if, and if, not, if it's not fun, you're not doing it right. But anyway, so I used to think that God, you know, I used to think that God was this unfair parent, right? Like, I kind of like, okay, so do any of you remember, maybe my parents were different. Maybe this isn't your parents, but like, how many of you in this room had parents that like at Halloween, when you went trick-or-treating and you brought home your candy, they had to go through it to like check for razor blades and stuff. Was that, all right, so it's not just my parents that were weird, right? So like, I'm just thinking that like, God's not the parent that's doing that and then like pulling out all of the Reese's peanut butter cups and just leaving you with like circus peanuts and some Smarties and like a package of microwave popcorn. That one was Wadi's suggestion. I like that there. Uh, he, that, that's not our God. Our God's not trying to like hold this stuff away from us. See, that's not who God tells us he is. That's not who God shows us he is through his word and his interactions. See, the reality is that that God is trustworthy. And we have to rewire our thinking to think about that. God is trustworthy, that he wants the best for us. And I, and I just wanna use, you know, that prior example that I went there because it, it might've 
spark something in some of you. Is premarital sex fun? Yes, but trust me, as someone who practiced premarital sex, as somebody who struggled with a pornography addiction for over 20 years, uh, that damaged the intimacy between me and my wife in ways that I could never imagine. And you know what? That all started before I even met her. That was wrecking our relationship before the relationship even existed. See, we need to change our thinking. We need to understand God's not a bad parent. God's not like trying to keep the good stuff away from us by setting a boundary. He's just setting a healthy boundary. I like to think of this example, right? If, if, if you have kids, and I know most of you, of you in here probably don't, but like if you have kids and you live in a two-story house and you bought a baby gate and you like set that baby gate up at the top of the stairs so your three-year-old doesn't go like plummeting to their death as they run past there, right? That, that boundary doesn't make you a bad parent That boundary makes you a good parent, right? And it's the same way with God that we need to remind ourselves that God isn't trying to keep things from us, but God wants the best things for us. He's a good parent. He's a good father. So that's one way that we could do that. Just one example of how we can change our mind to have our faith grow. And another is that we can change what we do. So, uh, so I, had a, I had a friend who's actually a student. When I, I used to teach paramedics for the county of Fresno, when I was teaching them, I had this one student, name was Nico, great dude. Um, and Nico was a professional bodybuilder, right? And, uh, oh, I should have I told you guys before, sir, I'm not a professional bodybuilder. I know that some of you might have been confused with the stuff we had in common there. But so Nico, like I was looking at him one time and I started going back to the gym and I was like, Nico, I got to ask, man, like, like, how do you, dude, how do you lift those big old weights? And he said, well, it's simple. I used to lift little weights. And I did that for a long time, and then I started lifting big weights. So the good news is I'm now able to be a coach for any of you who want to be professional bodybuilders because I've learned the method uh, from, from my friend Nico, right? But, but here's the thing. There's a reason that we call it exercising our faith. See, it's, it's, we can train it. We can start with our faith by just using a little muscle, just using a little bit of faith muscle on something small. And and we can work these little ways to just work up. See, when I first started coming to church, I'm not gonna lie, when I first started coming to church, I didn't put any money in the offering box. I was like, I ain't giving them any money, right? That went on for a long time. And uh, over time, I started to feel convicted. And, uh, and, and I gotta be honest, there was a part of me, and I think some of you have probably been in this situation before, I really wanted to trust God, but I couldn't, right? I was like, man, I really wanna trust him. I know the Bible says I'm supposed to give him 10%, but like, I'm gonna throw five bucks in when it goes past, right? And so that's kind of where it started, those little weights. I just kind of would throw five bucks in. I'd just see what would happen. And then after a couple of weeks, I was like, all right, I threw 10 bucks in. All right, I still had enough money to pay the PG&E bill. You know, I guess to go to Taco Bell later in the week is good. Maybe we'll go up to 20. And just like that, you start building that muscle to the point where you're able to do what God is calling you to do. And I thought about it this way too. I got a picture of a Roman centurion here. I was talking about that shield earlier, right? Um, that shield, if you look at it, they, they figure those shields generally weighed about 60 pounds, right? And now I know some of you got pretty big guys in this room, but if you're thinking about where you're wearing 60 pounds, it's strapped to one arm, you're holding it away from your body, like that might be okay for a little bit, but that's gonna suck really fast, right? Have you ever done that thing where you like hold a chair out in front of you and you can hold it for like two minutes and your arms start shaking, right? So like what happened is if you were a soldier, you didn't just show up to like soldier school one day and go like, oh, I got my shield, I'm ready to go, right? You just walk around with this 60 pound shield. What happened is you'd work up to it. They'd start with something smaller, They'd give you a smaller load to carry. They'd have you carry it for a longer period of time every day. And eventually it got just easier and easier and easier. 
Now, see, that's what happens with us. See, when we change our actions and we start exercising our faith, even just a little bit, it's amazing how quickly we can work up to that big old 60-pound shield. And uh, I, I hope that this message has been encouraging, but there's a, there's a part at the end that I think is a little bit discouraging, right? It, it talks about those flaming arrows, right? Uh, when we read this passage, it says the purpose of that shield is to extinguish flaming arrows, which means there's some bad news. You're going to face some arrows. Some arrows are going to be coming at you. It's, it's going to happen. I'll give you some examples. There's, uh, they're everywhere, right? I mentioned before, I'm recovering from an addiction to pornography, still have some struggles with lust. And, and I can tell you, like, arrows are sneaky, right? Like, a sword you see coming at you, an arrow is just kind of like, whoa, where'd that come from? I'll give you an example. How many people in here use TikTok? Anybody use TikTok? Yeah? All right. So, uh, so I, don't, I don't use TikTok. And, and I'd like to say it's because I have some high moral standing that makes me better than you, or it's because China's in charge of it or something. But the reality is I'm just old, so I use like America Online and MySpace. I think that's all I'm allowed to use right now, right? But my wife, my wife uses TikTok. And so occasionally my wife will forward me a video from TikTok, and so I'll open it in my phone, right? And so usually it's something stupid like a cat that gets his head stuck in a jar, or like we have kids, so it'll be a mom that's like going off about how bad her kids are, or like it's that like people making shady jokes about people at church, like that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I'll open that and I'll watch it and I'm like, great. And, and that's the only thing I use TikTok for, right? But, but the very next video, every time, hope my boss left because it's about to get weird. It's a booty video, right? Like every, every time. And, and it's like, I've had this happen where I'm going through there. I'm like, I show my wife, hey, I looked at this. And it's like, whoa, what's this? And my wife's going, hey, what are you, what are you looking on the phone? And it's like, I, it's just there. There's just an arrow, funk. It just comes in here because like, TikTok knows I'm a dude. And TikTok goes, hey, if you're a guy, this is something we think that you're interested in. And you know what, women, you're targeted in the same way for some of the same things, but also some of them differently, right? See, these arrows are coming down here. And if you let that shield down, that arrow is gonna sneak right past you. If you let it down even for an instant. I mean, I think about the arrows that we're facing right now. We can look at the whole last year, right? It was an arrow, 2020, huge arrow that came at us right there. And we got this new Delta variant going around. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID, right? This thing could have more variants than the last episode of Loki. It could just be crazy as it continues to go through here, right? But, uh, but I want to get serious here. Because, see, uh, one thing that you'll know if you know me a little bit is that I like to use humor to deflect before I talk about something serious. And so I just want to share with you something that occurred to me as I was back there and I was worshiping today and I was having a good time. Um, every time I've come to, to preach an anchor, I've gotten hit by an arrow. And I didn't think about that until I was back there. And I was like, oh, great, here's where we come, right? So like last year, it was like, Jake's like, hey, can you do this series? And then COVID hit, so you can blame Jake for COVID, right? Uh, the, the time before that, I think, was like two and a half years ago. It was right after Easter. And uh, uh, I think it was when David, it might've been longer than two and a half years ago, but David had asked me to come in and talk about, um, <clears throat> and talk about trusting God. And, uh, and the arrow that I took that time was two weeks before I gave that message, my 16-year-old nephew had an accident at gymnastics and became paralyzed from the chest down. And he's still paralyzed to this day. So like, as I just want to let you know those arrows, they're going to come. They're going to be here. But see, as we, as we wrap up and the band comes up here, there's there's another thing I want to remind you about using a shield and why it's so important and why I continue to come here, even though I know I might eat an arrow later. See that when we look at the strength of the Roman legion, it wasn't in the soldier, right? Like one soldier, if, even if you look at the name, right? We call him 
legionnaires. We call them centurions. Both of those words mean more than one. Both of those words mean a lot of people. See, the, the strongest defense that the, the centurions could do as a unit as whole, it was called a shield wall. And if you've watched any of these movies like the 300 or stuff like that, you'll see people where they, they link their shields up. And, and what's interesting about that defensive formation is, see, the key to this is you got to use your shield right. Because in that case, your shield's protecting the left side of your body, but it's also protecting the right side of the person next to you, just as the person next to you's shield is covering your side. See, you need to share your faith with people to your left and with people to your right. You need to encourage each other. You need to share your victories. You need to share your struggles. Because here's the thing, we can grow our faith by hearing these stories of how God is showing up in the lives of others. And I like to think about faith as growing. I like to think about maybe when you were a kid in school and I've got young daughters, so they did this experiment where you plant a bean, right, inside of a styrofoam cup and some dirt. And uh, my daughters learned this simple lesson that hopefully most of you have learned already that, you know, all this seed needs to grow is it needs some soil and it needs some water and it needs some light. Well, when we read what God tells us, he tells us that his word is like a light, a light in the darkness that shines down upon us. So what if for us to grow, we need that light, we need that time with God. And, and when we look at water, Jesus calls himself the living water. What if for us to grow, we need that water poured into us. We need to accept Christ as our savior, but there's one more thing that we need. And you know what? God never referred to himself as soil. But what he does say is we need to be planted in community. And so I think that when we look at how to be healthy seeds and how to continue to grow, that God has a part in it, that God transforms us through his word. He transforms us through his uh, spirit, but he also transforms us through his people. And that's what Anchor is really about. Like there's some great music here and I love being here and hanging out with you guys. But the reality is what's going on here is community. And that community is the soil that your faith needs to grow. And so as I kind of wrap up here, I just, I want to encourage you. I want to tell you, just keep up the good fight. I know the battle's long. I know it's tiring. Some of you are exhausted right now. You're just weary. But I just want you to remind yourself that even though that battle's hard, the war has already been won, that Jesus has overcome. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. Spoiler alert, in the end, we win. Yeah. And I just wanna encourage you and let you know if you're somebody right now that you need encouragement, that you need prayer, that you wanna talk to somebody about any of the stuff that I said today, a lot of our leaders are gonna be in the back of the room and just be there for you to have those conversations. We'd like to invite the rest of you to just respond in this moment, stand and, uh, and sing along with us here. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Thank you.